The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by Delta Airlines, the commercial airline the U.S. military trusts to perform maintenance on its aircraft. Learn more at deltatakingaction.com. Happy Election Day. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 6th. In today's news, civil rights advocates are alarmed by what they see as voter intimidation from the president. Georgia election officials rush to patch security flaws in their voter file. And this election may be decided more by who doesn't vote than who does. But first, the big idea. President Trump appeared at three campaign rallies on Monday to make his final pitch before Election Day. And he continued to keep up his baseless claims that Democrats would allow undocumented immigrants to overwhelm the country. In Fort Wayne, Indiana, Trump criticized Maxine Waters, the Democratic congresswoman from California, and without any evidence said Democrats will allow immigrants to overwhelm your schools, hospitals, and communities if they take control of the House. At his final stop in Missouri, Trump showcased his close ties to Fox News personalities. He gave Sean Hannity a live interview on stage before the event, praised Laura Ingram as she began her 10 p.m. show, and called Janine Pirro to the stage to praise him. The three rallies he had were all held in states he easily won in 2016 and where Republicans hoped to unseat Democratic senators. White House aides have all but given up on keeping control of the House. Instead, the president is trying to shore up the Senate. Democrats, too, are confident they'll win the House, but not the Senate. But after the 2016 upset took everyone by surprise, politicians and pundits in both parties seem more hesitant than usual to make any definitive predictions. If Democrats do flip the 23 seats they need to win the House, though, Nancy Pelosi is poised to make a historic comeback as House Speaker. But to do so, she won't just have to overcome the Republicans. She'll also have to outmaneuver Democrats in the House who want to challenge her, such as Seth Moulton from Massachusetts. And there are a host of candidates like Amy McGrath in Kentucky who have talked about supporting someone besides Pelosi if they win. As all these Democrats have distanced themselves from her, there's been a degree of uncertainty added to any leadership fight. Pelosi has just one response. Just win, baby. Just win. Pelosi's telling colleagues she's best qualified to take the party into the future, protect Obamacare, and pass an infrastructure bill. She wrote in a letter this week, quote, I know the ropes. Meanwhile, outgoing Speaker Paul Ryan said he thinks the GOP will narrowly maintain control of the House. But Ryan acknowledged that his party could very well lose and suggested if they do, it's not his fault or Trump's fault, but history's fault. He said last night on Fox News, quote, history is not our friend. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, warnings from Trump and Attorney General Jeff Sessions about potential voter fraud and prosecutions set off alarm bells among voting rights advocates. In a tweet Monday, Trump said law enforcement has been, quote, strongly notified to watch for, in all caps, illegal voting. He promised anyone caught voting improperly will be subjected to, again, this is with caps letters, <laughs> maximum criminal penalties. In a statement from the Justice Department, Session laid out plans to monitor ballot access on Election Day, including in several areas with large African-American and Latino populations. He added fraud in the voting process will not be tolerated. Now, there's no evidence of widespread voter fraud in the United States. And voting rights advocates denounced Trump and Sessions' remarks as blatant attempts to intimidate voters on the eve of the election. They also say it's just part of the bigger pattern among Republicans to curtail voting access with strict rules that disproportionately affect voters of color 
who tend to support Democrats. Number two, Georgia officials rushed to fix security problems with the state's voting systems just hours after the office of Secretary of State Brian Kemp, who's also the Republican gubernatorial nominee, insisted that they do not exist. ProPublica found that the website for the Secretary of State was returning information in such a way that it revealed hidden locations on the file system. Computer experts say that this revelation could give an intruder access to a range of information, including personal data and sensitive operating system details. ProPublica's attempt to take the next step, to poke around the concealed files in the innards of the operating system, was blocked by security fixes that were made to the software late Monday evening. According to one tipster, it was possible for a time yesterday to view a voter's driver's license, partial social security number, and home address in the system. Georgia insiders increasingly believe that the gubernatorial race will head to a December runoff if neither candidate gets 50%. The race is that close in Republican private polling. And while Kemp enjoys a slight advantage in private GOP surveys, the libertarian on the ballot, Ted Metz, could take around 2% of the vote. That would keep either major candidate from reaching 50% on Election Day. In Georgia's 2014 governor's race, the libertarian nominee earned 2.4%. If there's a runoff, we'll be talking a lot more about the peach state over the next month. Number three, control of the House may be determined by those who choose not to vote, particularly in critical suburban districts. For Democrats to take control of either chamber, they must activate masses of voters, particularly young people and minorities who in the past have never bothered to vote in non-presidential elections. And since Republicans, too, need support from people who usually don't vote or vote only in presidential years, Both parties are spending millions to try to move the uninvolved into the fray, if only just this once. We'll see if it works. I want to close today, though, with the story of a person who appreciated the power of voting. Brent Taylor, the mayor of North Ogden, Utah. He took a leave of absence as mayor so that he could deploy to Afghanistan with the Utah Army National Guard. Taylor had previously served two tours of duty in Iraq and Afghanistan. On Saturday... As his latest tour was wrapping up and he was preparing to come home, he was killed in Kabul during an insider attack. A member of the Taliban who'd infiltrated the Afghan army shot him. He survived by his wife, Jenny, and their seven children. Last month was their 15th wedding anniversary. Just a few days before he died, in what was his final post on Facebook, Mayor Taylor recounted what it was like to help provide security for Afghanistan's first parliamentary elections in eight years. He said it was beautiful to see some of the four million Afghan men and women who braved threats and deadly attacks to cast ballots. The high turnout, he said, was a success for the long-suffering people of Afghanistan and more broadly for the cause of human freedom. He concluded his post this way, and I'm quoting here. As the USA gets ready to vote in our own election next Tuesday, I hope everyone back home exercises their precious right to vote and that whether the Republicans or the Democrats win, I hope that we all remember that we have far more as Americans that unites us than divides us. United we stand, divided we fall. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, November 6th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.